they're looking to fill voids and only he can fill those voids and at a time where people are desperately hurting now is not the time to keep Christ a secret like we should be telling everybody about him Welcome to the Extraordinary Lives Podcast, where we talk about lives that go beyond the ordinary to the extraordinary, with the extra being Jesus. We'll be encouraged with amazing stories and helpful insights from the lives of ordinary people who have that extra, that supernatural difference that only Jesus can give. I'm your host, Ellen Bennett. Thanks for joining us. Welcome. I am thrilled to be interviewing my friend and fellow University of Tennessee Vol, Jade Newton. Jade is a woman I greatly admire. She is a go-getter and a leader. She has been an involved alum of UT in her sorority. She has been successful in the AI, artificial intelligence sector. She's appeared with a cousin on the TV show, First Time Flippers. She's a music journalist for Quip Magazine a co-host of the sports podcast, Rasslecast, and she has just bought her first home in Southern California, which is no small feat. She speaks French, and like the French, she obviously knows how to work hard and play hard. She's always traveling to see family and friends or to go on missions trips, and most of all, she is a faithful servant of Jesus. Welcome, Jade. Thank you very much for the lovely introduction. (laughs) (laughs) It was so fun to meet you years ago at a University of Tennessee alumni group here in Southern California, and I'm just so grateful we've been able to keep up with our friendship. Same here. You and Steve were my first friends in California. So. (laughs) So what great first friends to have to start my community here. Yay. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit about Jesus's work in your life, the difference he's made and how your ordinary life, which honestly is not too ordinary to me, (laughs) is extraordinary because of Jesus. So first, let's start off with your background. Tell me a little bit about your family, where you grew up. Mm -hmm. Give a shout out to those famous sports teams you love. (laughs) From Chicago, born and raised. And yes, shout out to all my favorite sports teams in Chicago, except the Cubs. And went to school in Knoxville, Tennessee, went back home after college for about 10 years, and then made the move to to Southern California for work in 2018. So grew up as an only child, my mom's only child. It was just always me and her. And, uh, but also I grew up around a lot of cousins who were like brothers and sisters to me and, and my aunt. I literally had a whole village help to raise me so it was it was interesting because I I grew up as an only child and people always wonder like what was that like are you spoiled Mm -hmm. are you a weird only child (laughs) but I think uh, one of the things that I benefited from the most being an only child is just being so independent and being very comfortable being alone (laughs) and doing things by myself so yeah yeah, so I, I regret nothing and that must mean your mom must have really helped give you that independence because I think sometimes being an only child can mean you're smothered a little bit. And instead, it, and, and I've met your mom and love her, I bet she was just great at moving you along toward independence. Yeah, she did. She was overprotective, but of course I was an only <laughs> child. Um, yes. But I think that the older I get, the more I realize that I more and more like my mother in a sense that she was very independent. I mean, 
she had to be, it was just she and her yeah. and I. And so, yeah, I take after her in that regard. So she was always a very hard worker, you know, worked two jobs for as long as I could remember. And she was also a teacher as well. So yes. she was always on me about my schoolwork, always talking to my teachers, but she also allowed me the independence to be me. That's you know. good. That's really good. Okay, so I'm curious about how you came to know Jesus. Tell us about that journey. Yeah, so I got saved when I was 13. And I did it because my mom at the time had rededicated her life to Christ. So she grew up um, in a Christian household. And then she rededicated her life when I was 13. And so I did it because she did it. <laughs> so I was like, well, my mom's doing it, so I'm going to do it too. Oh. At the time, I didn't like, I knew what it meant, but I didn't fully understand but prior to that, growing up, I mean, I just, I went to church because I had to, you know, my mom's like, we're going to church. Mm -hmm. And I went to youth choir because I had to, it wasn't because I wanted to. And so once I got to college, I would go to church here and there. It was just out of obligation. Mm -hmm. um, once I got out of college and got my own car, I was like, I'm not going to church anymore because I don't want to. Because it was always something that I just had to do and I didn't understand why I had to go to church yeah. all the time. So I stopped going to church altogether after college. It wasn't until I got into like my late 20s, early 30s that I actually... Uh, God brought me to a church that I just really fell in love with. My mom had been visiting there. And so I would go with her a few times. And then eventually I started going on my own. And I just really fell in love with the church and the people there and was really being fed. And I found that with me, if I'm not being fed, um, oh. like I have to be fed at a yeah. the church I'm going to. And I was able to find community at this church, Christian Life Center in Tinley Park, Illinois. Um, mm -hmm. I was able to find community. I've made some great friendships and they've just really been like, they feel like it's like a church family to me. Mm -hmm. And it was once I got into this church, that's when things really started to change. We're not saying that it was the people, well, the people were part of the reason, but yeah. you know, Christ just really kind of lined things up yeah. for for me. And I've been with CLC even now, even though I'm in California, I'm still active in in my church community. But God has really opened doors and opened my heart more for me to receive community and really receive Him more and just really be more like hungering more for mm -hmm. Him. You know, wanting to have that relationship because. You know, I have a good friend that says being saved is easy. Anybody can do that. Mm -hmm. But it's the making Christ the Lord of your heart. That's the hard part. And so once I got in this church, that's when I was like, you know what? Having Christ be the Lord of my heart is actually kind of cool. So That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and not saying that everything's been peachy since mm -hmm. then. Like, of course, I've dealt with struggles and temptations and sin and things like that that I've always struggled with. But, you know, having Christ at the center just helps to resist temptation it makes me want to live right and live for him and walk with him so that's not good. being perfect because none of us right. are perfect because i right. still struggle every day but that's the long part of how i came the long version of how i came okay. to jesus that's great so one thing i like to always talk about is sometimes People can get the idea that when you're following Jesus, it's following these rules. Mm -hmm. You mentioned fighting against sinning or against temptation. Why is it good to fight against those things? Well, the simple answer is because sin separates us from Christ. Yeah. And I know when I was living in a backslidden state, it's hard to hear God when mm -hmm. you're so far removed from him. God hates sin. And that's a simple version. I have friends in my life who are Christ followers too, who are living in a backslidden situation right now. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, I don't hear from God. And it's like, well, 
come on. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, and I don't beat around the bush, you know, when mm-hmm. I'm talking to them about this. It's That's like one well, thing I love about you. Yeah, I'm like, listen, either it's like with God, either you're all in or you're not. You can't mm-hmm. straddle the fence and know you're not hearing from God because you're not open to hearing from God because sin is ruling your life right now. And I can speak from experience. And you get to a point, well, at least I got to a point where I'm like, I'm kind of sick of not hearing from God. And I had, and I don't know if this is a question later, but I actually had this moment when I joined my church that I'm currently at. And I was like, everyone here is just so sold out for Christ and God's always talking to them and he's always telling them stuff. Why isn't he talking to me? And then when I went to Israel, it was just the most life-changing trip ever in my life. And I came back from Israel and I'm like, listen, and this is in 2016. I think for me, that's when I truly started to see true change in my heart and in my walk. And I was like, listen, I want to be like them. I want to be able to hear from him directly. And that's when I was like, all right, it's all about him. That's great. One thing the Bible talks about too, is just that we're in sin, we're a slave to it. Mm -hmm. And I always think about that too, how God just truly has our best in mind. Mm -hmm. So when we're following him, it's for our best, not just to to please this God that Mm -hmm. insists on these rules. Right. But instead it's a very loving father who loves us, Mm -hmm. who's cheering us on and just truly wanting us to be with him. Right. Um, and to even talk with this and, yeah, you know, through his word and, and prayer. and Yeah, and I've always been taught. One of the things that I learned early on in my walk with Christ when I was a teenager that, you know, religion is just a set of rules of things you can and can't yeah. do. And when you're walking in Christ, it's it's not about religion. It's about relationship. You know, religion is just, it can be dead. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're just going through a set of motions that God's not even in. So for me, it's definitely about the relationship and not about religion because religion's not going to change lives. You're just, religion is just tradition. Well, we've always done it this way. We've always done these things. Religion says, oh, you have to go and sacrifice a goat for you to be pure. And it's like, no, I don't because Christ already took care of all of that. He was the the sacrifice. So I don't have to do these religious traditions anymore because Jesus paid it all. That's one of my favorite sayings. Jesus paid it all. So... Good. That's a great explanation. Thanks for that. Mm -hmm. So what have been some highlights, some extraordinary ways you've seen Jesus work in your life? And I know there are so many, Mm -hmm. and I'd love to hear some of your stories. Yeah. So one I would say was when I was in Israel and that was just a, just really eye opening for me. Like one, it's just fascinating to be able to be in places where Jesus walked or where things that you've only read about in your Bible. It's like my Bible came to life, even though everything's like ruins at this point. It's like, oh, it's just another rock, but this is the rock where this happened. Um, so that was a life changing trip for me. And I came back and I said, you know what? I want to be sold out for Christ. I just want to hunger for him. I think the other times that, or there've been so many, but just the ones that stick out in my mind right now is in 2017, I was on a missions trip in Siberia. I was teaching English and such a great trip. It ended on a sour note though, because my uncle had passed away, um, went on to life support while I was in Siberia. And by the time I got back, he had had a stroke. And so by the time I got back, I think I got back on a Monday and by Friday, we had to take him off life support. So 
that was a time for me I was very angry at God because mm-hmm. we had already, my family and I had already had a really rough year in 2017. Like I had lost my job. Um, my mom was going through some personal things. I had a very close cousin who was going through some things. Then, you know, my uncle passed away and I'm like, God, like I'm out here on a mission trip. And you come back from mission trip and you're so, there's a lot to process and you're so on fire yeah. for God. And I was like, all on fire, like God's going to heal him and you know, everything's going to be great. And then he didn't. And so I was really angry at God for a long time like yeah. I would say for a good most of 2017 and a good part of 2018 wow. and it really took my church family to really get me through that really grateful for them for being there for me then I would say in 2018 right before I moved out to California I made this huge decision that I was going to trust God with my finances fully and completely uh-huh. and that is something that a lot of Christians we struggle with I'm not gonna doubt I'm just going to do it. And I did this 90-day tithe challenge. And I had been tithing. Yeah. But I said, okay, I'm going to do this 90-day tithe challenge. I'm gonna, I'm just going to do it. And when I tell you that those 90 days, I watched my finances just do a transformation. And I said, okay, if I can trust God with my finances, surely I can trust him with any, huh. any and everything else. Wow. You know? So I guess those would be the three the three biggest life-changing things for me. I will say I'm not still angry at God. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm so glad you're honest about that because there's a lot to process in life and things happen. And I love how your church community has been a big part of you, Mm -hmm. just helping you through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was very angry for a while. Like I wouldn't, I would, I would still go to church. So that's the thing. I would still go to church and one of my friends even told me, she said, you know, you were angry, but you still were doing what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was angry. It's like being angry at your parents. You know, mm-hmm. like, I'm mad at you right now. I don't want to talk to you right now. But I still love you. And I know you still. Well, at, I'm not even going to lie. I doubt it that he even loved yeah. me. There are times when I doubt it. But I was, I was angry. But I still went to church. I still did my, um, you know, served in church on Sundays like I, I was supposed to. But at that point, I was just going through the motions because I was angry. It took a while, though. Maybe I would say it took about a year after his my uncle's passing in which I was like okay I think I'm I'm not angry anymore but I had already asked God to forgive me for being angry even though I was still angry yes. <laughs> but, but yeah but then also when I first moved out to California I didn't really have any friends so it was just me and God so I was like well I really can't be angry with you anymore because I don't really have anybody else to talk to so <laughs> ah, that's, that's a good <laughs> so. point Yeah, and I think God is just so gracious. He knows sometimes it's just going to be a process. Mm -hmm. And we have to give ourselves grace. And we have to be honest, Mm -hmm. you know, with ourselves. I mean, you can't just fake it, right? right? So that's good. I would love to explore a little bit more about God speaking to you through others Mm -hmm. or to you or you speaking what you believe God is saying to others. Mm -hmm. What does that look like or what are some examples? So I find that God speaks to me the most. I'll be very honest here. I struggle to really dive into my word and talk to him every single day. It is something that like I'll like say little stuff to him here and there, but Mm -hmm. actually like just sitting and having you know those 30 minutes or an hour of just time like in my word you know talking to him praying worshiping it's a struggle for me because I tend to allow because I work a lot and I tend to you know if I'm not working I'm trying to get sleep and I tend to allow everything else to kind of fill those gaps so it's a struggle for me sometimes and I may go like a month where I'm on a roll diving in and getting in my word and I'm loving it and then if I miss one day then I miss the second day then I miss the third day but I find that 
God usually talks to me in those moments, like when I'm really diving into my word and not doing it just out of obligation. Mm-hmm. But and how I know I'm not doing it out of obligation is like I'll read one passage. I'm like, oh, this is good. Let me dive deeper. Uh-huh. Then I read another passage or another chapter. I'm like, oh, let me dive even deeper. So that's how I know I'm not doing it out of obligation. Mm-hmm. And those are usually the moments when God talks to me. I know sometimes people say, you know, you just have an hour of quiet time and listen for God. He never talks to me in that hour of quiet time. It's usually like in the shower or washing <laughs> dishes. It's usually when I'm doing something just so routine. And it can be for me. A lot of times it's been for close friends of mine who are also Christ followers. And sometimes it can just be, hey, just pray for this person. He'll put somebody on my heart yeah. and I just pray for that person. Um, it could be somebody I haven't even talked to in a long time. But So yeah, and then other times when people have given me a word from God, it's usually been in a church setting or in a life group setting. So our weekly community meetings. That's cool. I know sometimes I'll be reading scripture and someone will come to mind Mm -hmm. and I think I'm going to pray this for them. Mm -hmm. Or the other day I was listening to this song that was a Christian worship song and it made me think of this friend and what she was going through. So I was able just to text her Mm -hmm. and send the song on along to her. So God really uses us. He's Mm -hmm. he's in us. He's working through us. Mm -hmm. And that's just such an extraordinary thing that we get to experience. It is. And a lot of times people tend to just use God as a Santa Claus and you only talk to him when you need something. And it's like, no, it's a two way street. Like it's a relationship. So if he's not talking to you, probably because you're either a not open to hearing Mm -hmm. what he has to say or two, you don't have a relationship. And I always ask people when they say, well, God doesn't talk to me, but he talks to you. And it's like, okay, well, how much time are you spending? The first question I ask them, Uh how much time are you spending in your word? They're like, well, and I'm like, that's the first (laughs) thing. Because a lot of times he talks to me through his word. Like you just said, it can be a scripture that I'm reading. I'm like, oh man, I really needed this right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, how much time are you spending in worship? How much time are you spending talking to him? Like prayers to God don't have to be full of those and thous. It's just having a conversation like we're having a conversation. Everyone has had experiences with people where it's like, man, why do I always have to reach out to them first? You know, I'm always checking on them. They never reciprocate. That's good. Mm -hmm. I was thinking too, as you were saying that, that you have an expectation too, that he's going to speak to you, which I I always... I have expectations every time I pray. Yes. Like I pray with expectation. Mm-hmm. I read my word with expectation. I worship with expectation because he said in his word that I should pray with expectation. Yes. <laughs> so I'm just being obedient. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, that shows that it's a real relationship because you're expecting that, that response mm-hmm. and him to be at work. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear a little bit more about your work. What do you do in your field? Yeah, so I'm in sales. So I talk a lot to people, which is probably why I'm so drained at the end of the day. And like people mm-hmm. call me, I'm like, I can't talk right now. I'm so, I'm so drained. I work in the tech sector, but more specifically, I work for an AI startup. I actually started as a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And we recently, within the last three years, moved into more of a hybrid role. So we still have our ethical AI and social impact mission We're still committed to, but we also work with customers who are building out computer vision, machine learning models. So basically what that is, is our customers are training their products and or to see like humans would see per se. So for example, like the features on our phones mm-hmm. where it can recognize like the faces of some people in your contacts. 
So those that we're working yes. with customers that are working on things like that. So I specifically work with robotics customers. I work with customers who are in the industrial automation space. So they're working in warehouses, along assembly lines. Mm -hmm. um, I also work with smart agriculture companies or ag tech as we call it. So these are customers who are looking for more efficient ways to farm. So working with smart ag companies and also working with some food processing companies. So machine learning and artificial intelligence, it's all over the place and it's helping to create a lot of efficiencies and a lot of processes, so. That's great. And what are some of the ethical concerns? You mentioned the ethical arm of that. One of our pillars is ethical AI and social impact. So we actually, like I said, started as a nonprofit and our late founder, she was very, very stubborn when it came to helping people out of poverty. And so all of our data centers are in East Africa, in Uganda and in Kenya. And every single person that works for us over in those countries come from a marginalized or underserved community. And so since we were founded, helped tens of thousands of people wow. and their dependents get out of poverty by training them and then also giving them work. They're full-time employees, mm -hmm. they get benefits, full benefits, living wages. We provide you know, transportation for them to and from work. Wow. Um, they get meals at work. So part of when we say ethical AI and social impact, when you're providing people with a means to, to contribute to society, when you're giving them living wages, you're also helping curb climate yeah. change, you're helping people to be able to contribute positively to society. So that's where the ethical piece comes in. And also so we're, we're also helping a lot of women as well, because we know that women in a lot of situations tend to be the breadwinners in their families, you know, if they're single moms, not saying that, right. all, yeah. but just in general. So we're helping all these people um, by giving them training, they're, we're helping them launch their careers in tech. And it's just a pleasure to work with all of them. Um, I work with them on a daily basis and just really lovely coworkers of mine. And so, yeah, just a social piece and making sure, like I said, that we're paying them living wages. Wow, yeah. that's exciting. I'm really glad I asked that question. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great, I, I love it. It's, it's a startup, but I say it's a large startup because we have such a robust data operations team. It sounds like such a great fit for you too. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So tell me about some of your missions trips. What have those been like? My first actual missions trip was to Siberia where I was teaching English. We did English camp for a couple weeks mm -hmm. with this church and this ministry that we partner with over there. They it's... run Teen Challenge in wow. Eurasia. Amazing people from the Teen Challenge program. Just listening to their stories about how God's changed their lives. And a lot of them are now ministers and yeah. you know, it's just really wonderful to, to work with them. And they were such a fun group too. Like the English classes that we were doing, there were adults and kids. Um, so that was a fun trip. And then right after that, I went back to, I love France. So I went on a trip mm -hmm. to France and that one was mostly a lot of street evangelism. So that was a, a lovely time, and it was all women on, that went. It was only there were only six of us, I believe, um, that went on this this particular trip. And then after that, the next trip I went on was right before the pandemic started. It was to Cambodia, where okay. we were working with a church. We were doing a youth camp down in Kep Province, which is right by the sea. And so we drove maybe three hours down to Kep from Phnom Penh on this bus that looked like it was straight out of 1972. Wow. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it was such a peaceful ride and you're just literally just driving through Cambodia and you're seeing how people live and 
there were big homes and there were shacks. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it just, a lot of times when I go on trips, especially like to Cambodia, or the people are very, very nice people, mm-hmm. very shy people, but very nice. And you're just like, man, I'm grateful. One of the things I've, I've noticed going on a lot of these trips, the people that I interact with, they don't have a lot. And mm-hmm. then you come back home and it's like, we complain about silly things. And it's like, these people have little to nothing. But the fact that they have Jesus is all they need. And they have so much joy and so much peace. Mm-hmm. And then we who have everything yes. are like, I need more or yeah. this is not enough. And it's like, well, Jesus should be more than enough. So even in Cambodia, the kids we worked with, they were teenagers, I think between the ages of 13 and 18. And some of them had never even heard of Christ, but their parents let them come on this camp, this wow. week long camp because mm-hmm. One, they get they get to get three meals a day. Yeah, they wow. get to shower. They get to sleep in their own bed. Like they don't get these. Op- they don't yeah. have this at home. So a lot of them were just really excited, and so many of them gave their life to Christ by the end of it. I believe there were like a hundred teenagers. We wow. split them all into groups. I had the yellow team. We won all mm-hmm. the competitions. Of course, of course we did. It's <laughs> so like, come on, guys, we can do You're this. Not competitive though. Not at all. <laughs> and what was interesting is that we were supposed to have several interpreters, but we did not. But even though there was the language barrier, God still made a way. Wow. So we were able to talk about how Christ has changed us. And it was, it was just life changing. And the kids were, they were great. You know, they were just so excited that we did a beach day where we played games and things. Mm-hmm. A lot of them had never been to the beach before. They'd never seen the sea. So they like just jumped in in their regular clothes. <laughs> but it was so hot by the time, like an hour later, yeah, they were already bet. dry. But Ooh. yeah, it was just a really, really great time. And Cambodia is really beautiful. Mm. The people are so friendly. And we spent a day at the Killing Fields and the wow. um, Cambodian Genocide Museum, which wow. for me, I had no clue any of that had happened. So that was really educational for me and yeah. very like eye-opening and very sad too yeah. to think about how wicked this mm-hmm. world is and has been. I'd love to ask you, is there anything on your mind and even maybe as we talk, and you've already mentioned some things mm-hmm. that you'd love to get across to our listeners or any friends who might mm-hmm. be listening? I would just say, and this is also me talking to myself, is don't be afraid to love Christ openly and freely and tell others about him. And I know sometimes I hesitate to talk about my faith because I'm like, what are they going to think? Are they going to think I'm a weirdo? But at this point, I'm like, I don't care if you think I'm a weirdo. All of my friends who know me, they know where I stand. They know I love Jesus. They know that if they ask me a question, God's going to be all in the answer. You know, if it's like advice or something. But I just say like, don't be afraid, especially now, like people are hurting and they're desperate Mm. and they need something to cling on to that has substance. And we know that Christ is the only way, the only one that has that substance or what they're looking for. They're looking to fill voids and only he can fill those voids. And at a time where people are desperately hurting, now is not the time to keep Christ a secret. Like we should be telling everybody about him. Because I know when I get to heaven, I want God to be like, well done. That's that's great. Yeah. (laughs) Not like, well. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you would have done this. Right. You could have done more. But, but, you know, even for me, like it's it's an ongoing, I don't want to say struggle, but it's a challenge sometimes to just share Christ with people. Because, again, it's that rejection. Nobody wants to be rejected. But I have to look at it like, okay, you're not rejecting me. You're rejecting Christ. I just say, just be steadfast in, in your faith. And just keep praying for people and, and don't get upset if they reject Christ. 
but sometimes God just has us in their life to just plant the seed. I have a lot of friends who are not saved and they've been friends with me for years and years. And sometimes it takes years and years for people to get saved. Sometimes Christ just uses us, hey, you're just there to plant the seed. Somebody else is gonna lead them. But he's definitely given me a heart for, for broken people. So, you know, I just have a special place in my heart, especially for broken women who are just really trying to pick up the pieces. That's awesome. I'm not saying that my friends are broken people. Right, just right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, so, do, you have a compassionate heart. I people. do. I yeah. do. I'm tugging on the heartstrings. So, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And especially to see someone so confident as you, to still have those feelings of, you know, wanting to be accepted. Mm -hmm. um, that's actually really encouraging to me because I can sometimes be such a people pleaser. And it's encouraging to know that we all have those struggles, mm -hmm. but the reward is so great. Mm -hmm. Not only for us who get to talk about Jesus and the difference he's made, but also for the people that we're talking mm -hmm. to. And it sounds like these friends are steadfast friends. Yeah. So for some reason I can't get rid yeah, of any of them. Okay. <laughs> so so they are they're accepting you for who you are. Yeah, they know where I stand. I'm yeah. like, listen, and you know, and that's not to say that they aren't saved either. Like like I said right. like I said in the beginning, anybody can be saved. And that's a great thing. Like mm -hmm. you give your life to the Lord, that's great. But it takes work to actually make God the Lord of your heart. Yes. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. And some people, some people it takes longer than others. And I know it took work for me and it took years for me too, but I got there and I'm there. And all I want to do is please God. So that's good. That reminds me of this verse that talks about how it's through practice that we become mature mm -hmm. in Christ and complete in him. And I've thought about that often that really the more we're living it out and practicing living it out, practicing being loving mm -hmm. or serving others, the more it becomes part of who we are mm -hmm. and part of that relationship with God. Yep. So, and, and that takes work. It does. Deliberate action. Right, being intentional. And deliberate thought. Mm -hmm. yeah. Being intentional, that's why we say be intentional. That's what I tell myself every day, be intentional in your walk, be intentional. Well, this has been a great interview. Thank you so much you. for joining me. Thanks for having me. This is lovely. I love talking about the Lord. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining us. This is Ellen Bennett with the Extraordinary Lives Podcast.